Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the World Football Index Scouting Spotlight Podcast. I'm your host, Austin Miller, joined, as always, by Tom Robinson. Tom, on this pod, I think we're about to delve into what is by far the most mercurial player that we have profiled on the scouting spotlights in Rodrigo Amaral, the Uruguayan midfielder currently at Rossing in Argentina, but not playing. Had some ins and outs in the Uruguayan under-20 squad. A lot of question marks, but a lot of talent with him. A lot of the players we've done for these podcasts have been not necessarily sure things, but players that we feel like we can peg down pretty well and, and can predict the future. In five years, there's no telling what Rodrigo Amaral will be doing. He could be in one of the biggest squads in Europe, or he could be floating around the Chilean second division. And both of those possibilities kind of seem equally likely, no? Yeah, it's, I mean, this is a player that I've been wanting to do uh, as soon as we started doing these pods. And like you said, most of the players we've been doing have had these upward trajectories. And it certainly could go that way with Amaral, because for me, he's phenomenally talented. One of the most interesting, certainly watchable players that I've seen in the last few years. Um, But yeah, you've got this whole off-the-field scenario um, that's kind of, for all that natural talent, there's still some huge questions about whether it might all be squandered. So, yeah, this is, this is a player who he's done great for the Uruguayan under-20s, but he's barely featured for Nacional in Uruguay, the club he, he came through at. And then ever since the start of the year, he's kind of had this contract dispute with the club and... His agent, Daniel Fonseca, um, who has just been meddling so much, um, means that he's, he's basically not played apart from for the under-20s, and that's only been in fits and starts. And now he's moved across to Argentina. Racing have only bought 20% of his rights so far for about $1.2 million. And then there was talk that they were going to send him out on loan to Gimnasia, which I think you know it would have been a good pressure-free environment for him to develop. But... For whatever reason, they've decided they're gonna they're gonna keep him um, at Racing, which I'm very excited about because again they're they're an attacking team full of lots of talented players, and um, they've also brought Aravelo Rios, a fellow Uruguayan, in to maybe you know, keep him on a tight leash, as that's pretty much what he does best. So um, yeah, hopefully, I think they're just at the moment just trying to get him fit because this has been one of the big question marks about him is his his physique. They've have seen him compared to, by some people, as, as the Uruguayan Wayne Rooney. So let's start with Amaral on the pitch, Tom. When he is actually playing, and, and as you pointed out, that hasn't been very often recently outside of the Uruguayan under-20 shirt, what does he do on the pitch that is so promising, that has you, and, and frankly, so many others, so excited about him? He's basically like a force of nature. He's this barrel-chested powerful but at the same time inventive and skillful player he can kind of play in a number of positions kind of a second striker forward number 10 kind of role and yeah he just grabs games by the scruff of the neck and bends them to his will Uh, you know at youth level for Nacional he's got one of the highest scoring records for that club more than Luis Suarez I think he got 143 goals in 115 games so the hype was really on him and he, he got called up to the Uruguay under-20s in 2015 as, as a, this precocious 17-year-old, as just kind of an impact player off the bench. And this is a good squad, you know. It's, it had uh, Gaston 
Gurusiaga in goal, uh, Lemos, who's doing very well in uh, Spain right now, Nandes, uh, Gaston Pereiro, Acosta, Baez. So this was a, a very strong team for him to break into, but he, he was voted the young revelation of that tournament with, um, uh, I think he made about four appearances off the bench. And I think w- the first time I saw him was this the game against Brazil. It was tied one all, and he came on and he was just clattering into people and he, he got a last minute uh, a flick on uh, to, so that Uruguay could win the game. He then scored a great goal against Chile. He got two assists against Peru. Um, and basically, he, he sort of played his way into a starting role for, for that side. He got injured in the final game against Argentina and pipped Argentina to top spot in the Sudamericano. And yeah, he went on and played at the Under-20 World Cup that year, didn't show his best form, and he missed a crucial penalty against Brazil in the round of 16 penalty shootout. And that was a Brazil side that went on to to get, reach the final. So, yeah, that was the first time I saw him. And he's just got like a great strike um, from range. He's even though he's quite a heavy set guy, he's he's got quite expo- explosive acceleration over a, a short distance. And yeah, he's he's just you have to watch him to see him play, really. Um I mean, what about you, Austin? What have you seen of him that that's caught your eye? I haven't seen all that much of him because it feels like he's never on the pitch. Um, you know, at the under twenty World Cup, the timing of that tournament um, in South Korea made it very difficult to watch those matches. I saw a little bit of him uh, at the at the under twenty Sudamericana, and yeah, he's just that player that just really impresses you when you watch him on the pitch and you just really want him to figure everything out because when he does, he's such a brilliant player. Uh, the physical stature, I think, helps the likability because you see this kind of big chunky guy running around on the pitch and then he's just picking out these passes. He's, he's pinging the ball around. He's looking for shots and he's not never seen a challenge that he doesn't like. You know, I think probably coming up through the Nacional ranks would, would certainly help with that because I don't think anyone has ever played for Nacional that, that has seen a challenge that they didn't like. And he's, he's so fun to watch. And then you look at the club level and, and the last time he played a, a match for, for any club was in September of 2016 for Nacional Now. And that was only 18 minutes off the bench. And it's just ridiculous that he's not been able to really get things figured out. What would you say has been the biggest issue for him at club level? Why have we seen all this difficulty? Is it the contract dispute with Nacional? Is it the issues with the weight that has kept him from being fully fit? What is it that has, has deprived us, I should say, of, of Rodrigo Amaral at a club level and, and at the, the international club level with the Copa Libertadores? Yeah, I think those are the two main issues, really. He's, I think he's such a complex case, really, because he's been someone that's from a young age, maybe even like 10 years old, that agents have constantly been fighting um, over his ownership. And, and he's got so much pressure to live up to these lofty expectations that we all have of him throw in the fact that he he seems to struggle keeping his weight down and the fact that he's then not getting the game time because of this contract dispute that he had with Nacional it's kind of a vicious cycle so you know at the under 20 Sudamericano this year when he kind of returned with a few scores to settle he was noticeably chunky but that didn't seem to hinder his appearance uh, his performances he he was joint top scorer he's you know he he inspired Uruguay to their first under 20 Sudamericano title since I think the days of Francesco so 
it seemed like he was back and it, it was all good. But then because he wasn't playing for his club and he was effectively kind of exiled to the reserves, he, he didn't get in great form for the for the under twenty World Cup. And during the Sudamericano, he he got to about sixty minutes every game and then was subbed off or they brought him off the bench. So that that stamina and um, physical aspect definitely was still there, even though while he was still he was doing the business with a when it, when he was on the pitch. But again, at the, at the World Cup, he came off the bench against um, Italy in the first game, scored a phenomenal free kick. Like seriously, everyone, if you've if you've not watched this goal yet, look it up on YouTube because it's an absolute rocket. It's kind of wide on the right, um, just outside the penalty box, and rather than kind of bend it in. He literally just hits it like a missile, and it just flies into the top corner and wins the game one nil for Uruguay. Um, and it's and then I think, you know, Uruguay were one of the favourites for that tournament, but they didn't end up sort of ever putting on the performances that they did at the Sudamericano. And I think a big part of that was that Amaral was just not fit. He he kind of got injured in in that first appearance and didn't feature again to the until the quarterfinals. Came on in a game that went to extra time against Portugal. Again, he missed another penalty, but they still managed to get through, but he couldn't play against Venezuela in the semis. And he just came back for the third place playoff, you know, which by that point was, you know, wasn't important. And I'm pretty sure Uruguay ended up losing that anyway. But so it's, it's a shame because we've seen flashes of brilliance from him and there's so much more that could come, but I'm, I'm really worried that this, weight situation and this club situation that's that's been going on and this constant turmoil off the field is really going to hamper him and and I think it wouldn't be a surprise as we said as you said in the intro if we saw him kind of being this mercurial playmaker who wanders around and doesn't fulfill that potential which maybe adds to the mystique of him you know we all we all liked uh, Raquel May maybe not quite making it and I think maybe Alvaro Rakoba is a is a Uruguayan who, you know, in Uruguay is, is an absolute hero and has achieved a lot. But for European eyes, never quite um, achieved what he could have done at Inter Milan and and the other clubs. So, yeah, it's it's going to be really really fascinating to see what he does um, at Racing and and going forward because I think this is just a, a stopgap at the moment for him. Tom, it's really interesting you bring up that third-place playoff against Italy. Amaral played all 90 minutes for seemingly the first time that we'd ever really seen him do that. And then that third-place playoff went to a penalty shootout. And you're never going to guess what happened for Amaral in the penalty shootout. Did he He, miss? He missed. He missed again. (laughs) So maybe it's time that he should probably stop taking penalties in the penalty shootout. I don't know. Just seems like like that would be the good move. Uh, No penalties and no pies for Amaral, I think. Right. Exactly. So you bring up his time at Racing uh, yet to feature for them. The current question is is whether or not he'll be able to get fit. You said that this seems like a stopgap move. I think I'm in agreement with that, especially considering they've only bought 20% of his rights. They have this option to buy another 30%, but I think they're going to wait before they exercise that until they actually you know see him on the pitch. What next for Rodrigo Amaral? Is is this the type of player that you think will be moving to Europe, to any club of any stature in Europe anytime soon? Or is he just going to be this immensely talented number 10 that could never seem to get things right and the type of player that might go down in, in South American lore as this kind of 
nomadic guy who just pops around for two years at clubs, you know, pinging passes in the Libertadores, but never gets the recognition on an international stage that, that, that maybe he could get had everything worked out and had he been able to put it all together. For me, it all comes down to his mentality. You know, if he gets his head together and gets in shape, then there's the sky honestly is the limit for this guy because technique wise and, and talent, that's just not in question for me. He's, he's such a joy to watch when you, when you see him play. Um, I think that, yeah, he's just got to get playing. And then from there, I mean, his agent is, is losing quite a lot of clients at the moment. Um, and I think he's, you know, putting a lot of attention into Amaral. So because I think he'll be just looking more for the money than for Amaral's best interest, which I think is, you know, quite a tragic tale of maybe his his sort of childhood and adolescence so far is, you know, people looking to make money off his supreme talents and, you know, hopefully he doesn't lose that love for the game. But yeah, I think, you know, I could definitely see Fonseca flogging him to like maybe a Turkish club or some, someone random like that. But I mean, I'm sure that all the top clubs in Europe are well aware of Amaral's ability and who knows where he could go. I think right now it would be, you know, churlish to suggest anywhere really because he just needs to get playing for for Racing and then when we see how this season goes, then we can decide whether this is a guy who's serious and he means business and could light up a number of European clubs or is he going to be a guy who doesn't take it too seriously, he prefers, you know, having maybe that star status in South America and being allowed a little bit more leeway, you know, the, the Ronaldinho's of this world, perhaps. So it's going to be interesting. He's, he's got a very good attacking coach in Diego Coca at, um, at Racing. There's some good players there. Like I, I mentioned, Lautaro Martinez, um, excellent striker that we've profiled. Uh, Lisandro Lopez is another one who's uh, at the other end of his career, but um, a good person to learn off. And yeah, it seems like quite a few Uruguayans have, have moved across to Argentina uh, this this window. You've got Nicolas De La Cruz and... Marcelo Sarracci, who have both gone to River. Um, obviously, Gajardo has links to, to Uruguay from his time managing Nacional. So I think the fact that it will be similar in terms of culture, not far in distance, you know, it's just the other side of the uh, Rio de la Plata. So it, it could be a good place to get him out of that kind of toxic environment that was Nacional. And at a big club with plenty of attention and, and you know a fair bit of money, even if it is for a, a small percentage of his rights you know they've got quite a lot at stake here that they're going to want this to go well um and if it does go well and he can lose the weight and get and get fit then they'll be so glad they've got one of the the top talents in in world football purely in terms of um you know potential basically so yeah um i don't know what the future holds i could definitely see him rocking up like a being the main man at a, a Villarreal or a Sampdoria or someone like that, and I think that would be that would appeal to the romantics in us. But he, yeah, he he could go anywhere. We could see him bouncing around Libertadores clubs for the rest of his career. Who, who knows? Who knows? It's going to be fun. That's for sure. It feels like any prediction is is nothing more than a dart throw at this point. But I don't know. I just feel I just have this vision of. 
you know, seven years from now in the, in the 2024 Copa Libertadores, there's Rodrigo Amaral trotting out for, you know, Jorge Wilsterman in Bolivia who have made him their big signing of the summer. And he'll come on for 55 minutes and try to ping around a couple passes. He'll look overweight. And it's like, that feels very likely for the, not necessarily likely, but certainly no more unlikely than him sticking with a big European club. And I think that's what makes him so, so fascinating and such an interesting player to profile because the talent is there, but maybe more so than anybody else that we've profiled, there are a lot of, of, of things that need to be worked out if this is going to end up in success for Amaral. Final question for you, Tom, before we wrap this one up. Full national team for Amaral. He's obviously not gotten a full Uruguayan cap, but he seems to be in good standing with at least the under 20 and the youth ranks for Uruguay. Is this a player that you could see getting an Uruguay cap at, at some point? Could he be a fixture for the Uruguayan national squad? Or does that feel like it's pretty far out at this point? It's it's a possibility. Right now, it's a million miles away, and and he's, he'll be nowhere near the senior setup. But as they've shown at, at numerous youth levels, that they've had, they've had a lot of faith in him. They've taken him to the tournament even when he's not fully fit and not playing regularly for a, his club. So I think there's the understanding there um, in Uruguay that they have got a sensationally talented player on their hands. Tavares often gives young players uh, a shout even if he maybe doesn't incorporate them as, as quickly as some would like but you know we saw Federico Valverde who was another member of that under 20 uh, Uruguay squad he getting his debut um, the other day against Paraguay and you know he seems to have a, a much better uh, much better mentality and professionalism towards the game and I think he you know you could you could probably put them to as equals in terms of of talent and potential but I think you know Valverde is showing that he's the one who's maybe more of a sure bet than um than Amaral but he'll definitely be on the radar you know Uruguay don't have a huge pool of uh, players to work with so they try to incorporate them young get them getting them knowing about the the history of, of, of the national team and all that means so they'll be hoping he he comes off because you know, he, he could be that talismanic forward, you know, once uh, Suarez and Cavani hang up their boots. So it's going to be interesting. Um, what about you, Austin? Do you like what do you, what do you think he'll? I think well, he could sorry. he could end up being a player. And the compa- the name that keeps popping into my mind in this conversation is Jorge Valdivia for Chile. Of course, played at Palmeiras, had some stretches in the Middle East, but never really hit it big in Europe. In that, he could be the type of player who seems to be a lot better for his national team than he ever is for any of his clubs. Uh, Valdivia was obviously fantastic for Palmeiras at, at numerous points in his career. But the type of player that gets known on a world stage because he wears the Uruguay shirt, not because of anything that he does on the club level. I think that is certainly a path that we could see Amaral go down, that he gets in the Uruguay squad despite maybe still being in South America or despite maybe being in in China or the Middle East, just picking up these massive paychecks despite not being challenged at the club level, but can always raise his game for the national team. And And I think if I, if you had to pin me down to make a prediction, I think that's what I see Amaral as. This kind of mercurial player who bounces around clubs, sometimes in search of just a massive paycheck, 
but who gets into the Odawai squad and comes in and, and does a job and, and really makes his name through that more so than anything else. I think that's what he's done so far, and I think that's what he'll continue to do. Yeah, that's a, that's a pretty good um, pretty good guess, I think. You know, uh, Valdivia is, is an interesting one there. I think I quite like that comparison. You know, he could be that or he could be, you know, Pablo Escobar from the strongest. But, you know, obviously he's been compared to Wayne Rooney. Um, but he could quite easily easily be, you know, the Uruguayan Paul Gascoigne. So it's going to be it's going to be fascinating, and I think this is a pod that you should definitely store away for a rainy day and and uh, see in a few years where he's at. You know, we might be completely wrong and he's ripping it up for a top European club, or he's you know languishing somewhere in the uh, Mexican second division. Who knows? Amaral could be the first double spotlight feature, Tom. You and I may have to revisit this one in a few years and just, where are they now? You know, we could have a where are they now scouting spotlight feature and we can break down Yerry Mina tearing it up for Barcelona. And then, as you said, Rodrigo Amaral for Lobos Blop in Liga MX. You know, <laughs> we'll just see. We'll, we'll file it away and, and we'll come back to it, right? <laughs> yeah, definitely. Sounds like a plan. That'll do it for this edition of the World Football Index Scouting Spotlight Podcast. Be sure to follow us on social media for all of the latest from the World Football Index and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes so that you can stay updated to everything that it is we're doing here at the World Football Index. But that'll do it for this show. Thank you so much for listening. 